This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations of people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Jack Brazil. Kia ora, Jack. Kia ora, how are you going? It's going very well indeed. Looking forward to the weekend. How is, or where are you? Um, I'm actually in Rosneath, so I'm remarkably close <laughs> to you. I can probably see you out the window. I'm just house-sitting for a friend at the moment. So that fire alarm that we just waited for, you could probably hear it as well. Yeah, yeah, I thought you were hearing it through um, my speaker. <laughs> so how has your bubble life been? Um, bubble life, um, it's yeah, it's quite bizarre because it's, it's, the, it's the anniversary, isn't it, of a year ago this all started. So um, I think sort of just like, it all just sort of compounds really like it's it's you know the things that you experience in your day-to-day life and um what goes on are just sort of exacerbated by by what's sort of happening and i think um yeah just understanding that and um what that means and what that means for everyone and what that means going forward is sort of something that's been on my mind a lot um but i mean i certainly see a lot of um good takeaways um from this this experience and really just um how we that sort of collective pause that um it gave us and um the opportunity i guess just to imagine um something different something um something beautiful something amazing that we could grow into i guess yeah that whole um what's that you know crises um give is a gift of an opportunity sort of um, line of thinking it was an interesting tension because we had to to recognize that for some people it was a real challenge not just financially but the the being alone and and lots of other things and and the the fear aspects but also it had did have that opportunity for a reset to be thinking about what that regeneration might look like yeah definitely and um i guess that sort of um what it, it really highlighted is I've sort of I've heard it you know is it exposed the cracks um, that already existed in society you know as I said it's sort of it's exacerbated and compounded everything we were already facing um, and I guess that is what does bring me a lot of stress and concern and anxiety is just um, uh, like how much more difficult life has become how much more strain like I think I just read somewhere that um, hospitals are like a, 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 in Christchurch, uh, um, suffering an overload, and I hear that quite um, echoed through a lot of my friends in the medical profession. Um, 
that, that it's just like things were strained beforehand and now they're strained even more. And I think about how many homeless people there are. Um, I'm technically homeless at the moment, um, but I'm, I have the privilege of a support network that um, affords me shelter. But I know that's not the same for everyone. And I guess I do get into a bit of despair thinking, just seeing how, like I, I sort of, you, you know the things we need. We need to be well resourced. We need to have food, shelter, be warm, um, healthcare, and just seeing those things not um, distributed evenly to everyone is just um, a great frustration. And I mean, I think we saw pretty clearly how decisively governments can act um, to actually meet the needs of people. Um, and so I guess I'm just questioning my whole life really of, you know, that always been told, oh, that's just not how things work. Oh no, there's not enough money for that. Um, and I think it's just become pretty apparent that um, that's sort of just a bit of a lie by those in power um, to keep maintaining a system um, that benefits a select few. And I think that's evident by how um, much money um, the wealthiest people gained, like their wealth doubled over lockdown. And certainly I forget the richest man in New Zealand's name, he's not very interesting, but his wealth doubled by some hundreds of, like, of many billions um and it's it's just so in front of us really so yeah um that whole poverty is a construct of um you know because we have billionaires you know the world cannot sustain billionaires yeah that decisive action it showed us that we can fix stuff but it also as you say it's highlighted that there's an awful lot of things we choose not to fix mm-hmm. yep and um i guess I've been, yeah, I, I tried, what I've sort of reconciled from that is I, I guess it's like the interconnection of everything, um, you know, like what we do to the land is what we do to people. It's the same thing that intimately connected. And I think for a long time, you know, mainstream, like white Pākehā environmentalism has kind of separated that. And, you know, like class, I heard a good thing and it said environmentalism without class consciousness is just gardening. Um, so like, unless we're, you know, linking these things together um, and, um, you know, we, we all have our struggles and it's about um, understanding the links between them and then working together to um, at those intersections to make better change. Um, and I think, like, what makes people not do that is because it's quite literally that the people in power, you know, these things don't affect them. It doesn't affect the people immediately around them. And I think it's, I think there are people who are there who have great intentions, who um, think they're doing it, but it's that whole case, I guess, of you don't know what you don't know. And if you are ignorant to the realities of others, then how can you actually bring the problem um, to the table and help solve it? Because, you know, it's that whole, um, that's just parachuting, that's hierarchical when it's, um, it's, it's not fixed anything ever. <laughs> it's just shifted the problem along, I guess. So, I love that, yeah, that's um, how I sort of think about it. I love that line, that without gardening line, because one of the things that frustrates me so much is that if only the green movement had stuck to the environment, yeah. would, we would be able to, to get on with it. One of the things that the pandemic has shown is that we need to be <laughs> thinking about things as connected systems. Um, you know, everything is a system and, you know, it's living systems we live in. And um, 
I always sort of come back to that. I learned a lot about that in psychology, um, in this paper, this cognitive engineering paper, um, that we as humans, we tend to, um, well, not we as humans, because it's, it's not all humans, but um, we tend to sort of look at things that are a problem and then find the, attribute the blame, attribute the fault, rather than really looking at saying, you know, if we keep putting X person or X people in Y scenario and getting Z result, you know, it's maybe not the people um, that are causing it. Like if everyone's having that same outcome, then maybe it's the system. And um, I, I sort of, yeah, I think if we were to think more in a macro way about these systems, um, you know, why, why is it that people are um, going hungry? Why is it that people aren't in homes? Is it because maybe rents are extremely unaffordable and that um, the landlord class are hoarding property and making untold millions or, you know, or is it just that people are lazy and don't work hard enough, um, which I don't believe at all. Um, so, yeah, I think we are like seeing these systems fail, fail and it's described as, I guess, um, late stage capitalism. Um, you know, this is always the way it was going to be because the system was built and predicated on white supremacy, on imperialism, um, you know, that colonial mindset that we can use the same thinking anywhere in the world and on any group of people that um, to, to, to take, really. It's all about um, power um, exploitation and to think that this system could actually save us is... Um, to me, I'm sort of like, I, I don't think so, but I can see a lot of more people waking up to it and whether um, um, they let that language is understood or not, I can see people understanding because I think there's a definite amount of inaccessibility with how we talk about um, these systems and um, connecting it to sort of the, the, the reality that we live, which I can, that just can be quite hard. I wonder if it's actually done us a bit of a disservice. I, I described it as a good thing before that we've shown that we can do things. But like mm. the ozone hole, we fixed that, but we only had to change one chemical, which we had a replacement for. For the pandemic, we had to stay at home and watch TV. That's not really systems change. But what we're asking for, what you're asking mm. for, is a systems, a, a rethink of the systems. How do we move from this sort of one-shot issue to the, the more complicated stuff? Hmm. I mean, that's the million-dollar question. And I think for me, it just comes back to, to resources. And I think about, you know, like it's so many studies have shown and it's a lived experience of many that, you know, we quite literally don't have the capacity to even begin to tackle these problems when we're living the daily grind Um you know, all of our time and energy is sucked up into just surviving and getting by, paying rent, making ends meet. So I think, honestly, the, the best thing we could do is actually just lessen the, the, the burden and cost of living so people actually aren't so reliant on those systems, so people aren't reliant on a, a job that um, exploits them and um, terrorises their mental health. Um, you know, that whole economic dependence um, aspect can be very abusive in many situations and relationships and workplaces. Um, you know, we need shelter to survive and, you know, we have to prioritise our, our basic needs. So I think if, you know, we were to do the simple thing of actually raising, you know, benefit levels to an actual livable amount, um, the flow on effect there would be that people then wouldn't be having to work jobs that are compounding their mental health and um, they're not going to, I guess it leverages a lot of um, security back into the working people to decide 
even actually this company I work for um, that I'm a depend dependent on um, actually isn't a good company and is actually poisoning the land and the water which you know it's a bit of a shooting yourself in the foot but we don't really have that um, power in the current system because we're so dependent um, to actually challenge that you know so I guess it comes back to that um, statement that you know we, we think we live in a democracy but as soon as we step into the workplace we don't you know we live in a democracy that one time every three years when we can um, cast our vote but even then you know it's not a true representation so um, I think it's just about alleviating um, the, the burden of living and that and then from there on we can actually start to see how we would change those systems because at this stage the only people who are really able to say that you know that they, they're not a representative sample of of um, the entire community um, and I don't believe that we can actually change the systems without everyone being at the table and by everyone at the table that that's um, that would need to be in ways that actually um, you know it's not just that classic um, parachuting model that um, governments and councils use to you know have consultation um, on their terms it's actually um, community decision making on a community's terms um, so it's not just like thank you for your input we'll go do what we want it's um, you know we work through this and meet the needs and until this problem is resolved and everyone feels like they're heard and this is a huge huge ask and um, a mammoth shift of energy but um, yeah it's 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 going the way I see it it's going to happen one way or another whether we work towards it and organize for it now or the next crises will force it to happen I guess because there will always be next crises let's take the first of your music choices let's have Courtney Barnett pedestrian at best why this one um <laughs> it's just a little bit chaotic I um I heard it um, when I was looking after a friend's van um, and um, it was on a tape cassette and it was the, the it would always just play the first um, song and it was always this and so it was sort of cold grungy mornings heading to the grind at work that I didn't enjoy and there was a awful toxic culture and the song would just play and it just was a bit of an escape and I just I just I vibe it. <laughs>
put some good lines in there. Give me all your money and I'll give you some origami yeah. honey. And put, yeah. me on a, put me on a pedestal and I'll only disappoint you. That's the, the activist's curse, isn't it? That you can be stopping yeah. trains, but people will be pointing out that you're wearing a, a, a raincoat that's got plastic in it. Yep, yeah. I like it because it speaks to that kind of, you know, any, a, a successful revolutionary movement doesn't have leaders, you know. Why do you think that the message around the pandemic, the government messaging, was so successful? The and and its re- reduction, I suppose, to the the be kind. What can we learn from that successful communication? Um. Yeah, I think it was so successful because it. Um. You know, there was a. I'm pretty sure it was the Topham Gurham um, PR company that. Um, who did a lot of work for the Brexit campaign um, and the National Party at times, who are very excellent at understanding how, you know, different demographics respond to different information. So um, I'm glad it was used for something good this time rather than um, misinformation campaigns. But I think just being so simple, um, you know, it wasn't trying to dress anything up um, and it was coming from sort of, I guess, you know, an independent person, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield to a point, and um, I think just the message of being kind is just is paramount because I think, um, like I just read something before saying, um, you know, it's really love is what is holding this world together. And um, there's only a very small amount of people who are actually actively doing that. And, you know, walking down the street, you are that person, the person you see, um, they are that person. And so if we can practice and, um, and you know, um, create that and make it abundant then it's that it's that karmic principle of you know um good work good action good deed the presence of that um is itself the presence of it and therefore the absence of um of i guess that binary opposite of um what you know it's it's what it can create so i think um it's really good but i think it um you know there are, again because of the reality of where we're at that whole be kind narrative um, can also be very hollow and very um, um, patronising because it's sort of like, well, who, who, who's kindness? Who's actually getting the kindness? Because again, there are a lot of disparities. But um, I mean, it's something that I think it's just that we need to acknowledge, understand, and just do better on. And um, you know, like uh, to solve all these problems um, of these grand proportions, you know, it's about making peace, not war. Um, you know, the military, the US military industrial complex is the single destroyer of, largest destroyer of human life and land on this earth. Um, and where the most money in the world gets spent, like a fraction of the military budget would feed everyone. Um, so I guess it's that notion that we actually do need to be kind. We do need to resolve our conflicts in, um, in meaningful manners that um, hold each other accountable and, um, yeah, create create a create the kind of world that we would want to be in um because if we're not working towards that and enacting that process then we're doing the opposite we're um create you know just wallowing in the the, the struggles of it all (laughs) yeah one of the things that we've been exploring on this show is the theme of being positive but not deluded and i think it's an interesting Mm. thing because it's 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 not a doolally blinkered it is being aware of what's going on how do you maintain that that kind of positive but also aware perspective because you don't want to 
go too heavy on the world is doomed. Mm. Yeah, I think not all there's not all times I've been good at that, and um, I've certainly um, you know suffered for that and been quite burnt out. Um, but I'm, I feel like that's something I've been really trying to prioritize in my life um, in the last wee while um, because I do recognize the importance of it. But I guess, yeah, it's it's a hard thing because there is such a, a culture around toxic positivity. You know, it's, you know, it's a bit of, you know, head in the sand mentality. And I don't want to hear any bad stuff because it's too much, which um, I get and I really emphasize with because um, it's not nice to always exist in a place where it's, um, you know, negative um bad news um and feeling it's very disempowering because there's not a tangible easy way to actually change that and so um i guess for me it's just about um you know recognizing that you, you know we're here to live our lives and um part of like the solution is actually living it and and um sharing love and um creating those acts uh, and those those community spaces um and doing that like that is actually in itself a quite a radical act to do um so i guess it's just focusing on that not overburdening yourself um knowing when it's like okay to just to walk away knowing when it's okay to just you know you hear something terrible that's that shit and then um that sucks um and you know moving on um and i guess i think it comes down to a lot um that the powers that be the people who are benefiting from the way the world is at this time you know they are the ones in control of uh, mainstream media they are the ones um in control of a lot of policy and many governments around the world and a narrative that keeps getting pushed is um you know the individual responsibility that we all have um to make positive change to, to you know to um recycle to not use single-use plastic which um i think it, it's you know it's a prime example of you know col a colonizing mindset it silos everything and it, it shifts the burden onto an individual um which i think we do collectively feel when that message has been um sent to us when in reality you know um over lockdown we saw when most of us were in lockdown not leading these heavily consumable consuming lives emissions and destruction of the the land still continued you know so um not to diminish that we do have a role to play as individuals, but to remember that um, we aren't actually all responsible. Um, you know, the people who are destroying the planet have names and addresses. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that it's, it's something like 71% of um, like a hundred companies cause 71% of emissions. And, you know, you look at the, the, the rest of the statistics in there, like I know in the U S it's something like 80 to 90% of um the people destroying the emission, um, the land and causing the most emissions are actually um, cis white um, boomer um, men, you know, in control of these companies. So like, it's, yeah, it's that whole thing of like, who is actually doing this? And then when you look at the, you know, the oppressive structures in society, it's, it's a, you know, it, it all starts to make sense. But I guess it's just um, talking with your friends as well, um, being open and honest, being kind to yourself, um, knowing that we, can't always maintain it um that this this is really hard like we are actually living through a, a global pandemic and that is trauma and we haven't actually been given the time and space to really collectively deal with that because things are just being pushed keep happening and yeah i think 
just just being kind to yourself so back to that original message um whatever that looks like um and yeah collective care it's about collective care checking in with your friends and your family and um just yeah supporting when you can in a way that doesn't take too much from your carp <laughs> bubble sprite of the forest of orakanui Dunedin's favorite goddess tahu mackenzie Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui kia koutou ko tāuahau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. Here I am, my heart's home workplace, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, preparing for a visit from the wonderful Columba College. And they are focusing on our beautiful native birds. So I'm just in the process of preparing the whakakura for their arrival, which is very exciting. The heat pump is on. It's quite misty mystery up here in the world's only protected cloud forest. And we are going to be exploring all the adaptations of these beautiful birds this morning together at one of our lovely bird feeders by a big macrocarpa tree that the kaka really loves, so we haven't chopped down. And up at the Takahe looking at all their special adaptations. Their amazing big wedge-shaped red beaks, their beautiful feathers for camouflage and display, and of course their ability to do seven meters of poo every day, eating our native grasses and then returning them to the earth with such skill. So I'm very excited. And of course, it is not only our native birds, but all life. It has evolved adaptations in various ways. <clears throat> and one of our important adaptations, of course, is the ability to communicate and teach and learn from each other, which we are doing constantly. Ability to reframe and recalibrate our perceptions into a system of meaning that we can continue to draw from throughout our lives. And part of being able to do this learning successfully with all these wonderful adaptations course is being clear in terms of our own perception, our own knowing and being able to share this courageously and confidently and throughout our lives we have the opportunity to do this and throughout our lives we are tested in terms of doing this and I think for all of us with all the shifts and changes that we've gone through together over the last year it's particularly important that we practice being truthful, being honest, being courageous, speaking to each other about how we feel and what we need, and acknowledging that things have changed for all of us and will continue to change, and that we may need quite different things now. We may feel quite different and that that's okay. So I really hope that for you, whatever learning is happening, whatever adaptations you are drawing upon, that you are recognizing the great skills that you have and your unique consciousness is able to fully move out into the world with a sense of ease and a sense of peace. And the more that we all practice this, the better we can connect with and learn from each other. I had a wonderful time speaking at the science communication department yesterday, but of course did my favorite interactive activity of having everybody share in the room and we made a big circle with about 50 people and I invited everyone to to share and move around and thank the earth and thank the sky and 
thank each other for being born. And of course, the, the energy in the room just really exploded. It was fantastic. And so I think I'm grateful that as a species, we have this adaptation to really encourage each other to speak our truth, share our perceptions, our understandings. And when we do that in a supportive way, it's wonderful, it's so joyful. So I really hope for you, you're having the opportunity to be celebrated. You're having the opportunity to celebrate those around you. All these adaptations that we share and those unique to us. And I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Jack Brazil. Jack, you, I last spoke to you on Sustainable Lens. I think it was just before lockdown. You were lining up for campaigning for the election. How did that go? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's been a year, eh? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it was qu- yeah, quite a year. Um, it was a, yeah, I, I don't really know how to describe <laughs> how that went in a few words. Um, and I guess it depends on a lot of things, but overall, like it was a, a pretty wild experience. Um, nothing like I've ever been through before. Um, I, you know, I didn't get paid for it and I put a lot of time and energy in and work um and yeah i don't know like people who had been through it before had sort of said to me like um warned me that this is a really um, difficult space to be in you'll get burnt out and people treat you differently and like all of it was true but in ways that i (laughs) i couldn't really imagine um i think overall what i really really like about it is that like I get random people approaching um, in the street or messaging me on social media. Um, and then I end up having really nice interactions with them and hearing about what's going on um, in their minds. And um, and quite often we're thinking similar things and there are a lot of synchronicities. And so I think that was probably like the nicest aspect of it all. Um, and yeah, but I think it taught me a lot about um, that world and, you know, how intrinsically dysfunctional um, politics is and how inaccessible it is for many people. And, you know, recognising the fact that I could be in there and do it in itself was such an immense privilege and, you know, what had afforded me to be able to do that. Um, But, yeah, just it really, I think, cemented for me that this way that the system has been designed is very, very intentional and is meant to be very, very disempowering because it's that, I think it, it was, um, I can't remember if it was Marilyn Waring who said it recently in an interview, but was it, or someone was just saying that, you know, going to, you know, you, you go into parliament or in, into politics and you don't really have any idea what of what you're doing because it's such a, different space and um but then you quickly realize that actually no one really has any idea what they're doing and it's sort of just that whole thing of um you know it's a it's its own body it's its own um thing and everyone's sort of just doing the things they do because that's just the way things are done and um there's not so much space or room to really question whether that's actually what should be happening and um and how that as an individual going into that, um, you know, you can have these great aspirations for there's this change, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to beat you down. It's going to, um, yeah, really, really take a lot of, a lot from you. Um, so I guess that comes back into sort of 
the need to actually change the system. And when I say change the system, change you know our entire parliamentary system because you know that in itself again look at the roots of where it's from um it's yeah it's 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 hierarchical and it's it's classist it's ableist it's um you know a space that's been racist it's um you know it's been many many things so um i think yeah that's my experience is <laughs> that just sort of really um really really showed that for what it was and made me question my sanity a lot <laughs> there were some but, good um, post there were some good posters yeah. oh yeah yeah <laughs> that caused a bit of kapapa around it serves you right for having such a distinctive moustache <laughs> yeah I, it was a really nice thing um this this man bruce mahalski did he um a great artist around town and he just wanted to yeah he just liked the what i was standing for i i met him through activism and um he took it upon himself to do that and i thought it was really cool and i liked how you know the real niche um you know um species that we don't really know much about and aren't as glamorous as a polar bear um being highlighted and you know the the, the fun play with the mustache like it's, a, it's certainly a, a a a conversation starter so um, yeah, it's cool. I didn't. I was a bit confronting, sort of seeing my face around a lot of places, and I, I was yeah. <laughs> you don't get used to that. So, as charismatic megaphony yourself, will you be back for more? Um, in one way or another, for sure. Um, I guess I'm sort of I'm taking some time to um, just really look after myself and. Um, figure out you know get myself a bit grounded I sort of did let myself um uh, my needs and you know thinking long term and in this world like housing and secure income um yeah it's that's kind of where my focus is at the moment because I know that I'm not going to be able to give as much as I can if I'm not looking after myself but definitely in one form or another um the work continues it always will be um I guess it's just the shape of and what that looks like um I'm still not clear on like I it's something I might may do again um but I would only really want to do that if it's you know what was um you know what the community wanted you know um the greens have a reasonably democratic process of um selecting candidates and um yeah and if that was if the need was there then it would be something I consider but it's not something I'm sort of I guess you know, like I don't think I want to be a politician. <laughs> is what I'm saying, but I recognise that you know that's the the reality we have, and there I could I think I'd be good at in that space to be able to shift things um, within how this current system is. Yeah. And if you want to see system change, then that's a pretty good place to start. Hmm. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Valerie June's version of a Cosmic Dancer. Why this one? Um, I think it's like, I think it's really whimsical. I like, I like how, I just like the feeling it evokes when I listen to it. It's sort of, um, fun, playful and, you know, we don't dance enough. We don't, you know, the ecstasy of movement, you know, that's when our body is moving, our brain's engaging and, um, yeah, I think it's just fun. <laughs> Takes me back to a, a nice time. I was dancing when I was 12. 
back, we've talked about lots of changes that have happened over the last year. But in summary, what do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? Um, I think one thing I've noticed that has is sticking and um, I, I'm hopeful for sticking is that just that notion that like, you know, welfare is healthcare, that um, our, collect, our health is collective, that, um, you know, we this whole survival of the fittest thing is, you know, uh, it's just not really true. It's, um, you know, we're consciously evolving humans. How we've gotten to this point we have is because we've worked together, um, because we've supported one another, you know, it's a the whole self-made thing, I think is just crap because behind every self-made person is the community that supported them. The wife that cooked all those meals, did all the housework, raised the children, um, you know, the parents that raised them, the friends that supported them. Um, so I think just that notion that, um, you know, when one of us is not doing well, that affects us all, you know, um, our community is only as strong as the one um, that's struggling the most. And so I hope that sort of from there that we, we really recognize that and we, um, you know, like it's the, the world is quite selfish and I understand that because of, you know, the harm that has been done and the contextual history of how we got there. Um, but I think that, you know, people are seeing that it's actually a benefit to actually support community and support one another because that actually comes back around to you. Um, so if you're not doing it for just the, the altruistic reasons, like it's, you know, economically, it makes more sense to, um, you know, look after one another and um, and ensure our health is um, supported. You know, all all levels of our health, from our spiritual, physical, mental, our family. You know, it's it's all um, it all needs to be cared for, really. Yeah. So, some questions to end the show with, and not very much time, so we shall have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last year or so? Oh, <laughs> the biggest success. Um, oh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, there was the just because it was it's it's recent the the win of um, sending those oil companies off away off the coast and um, that sort of grassroots um, power that that stopped that really. You know, it was a collective action of community people who stood up and said actually we don't want this um and we um you know and like just knowing that these people these this companies like war criminals they've committed atrocities overseas and to be able to actually stand up and stop that um that felt pretty successful um and like people will say that you know oh that you you, you know they'll diminish it or whatever but like you hear you, you know that you know the the the, the power of the left is the narrative and I think we're, that's where we're winning at, you know, the story of how um, um, how and why we're here and where we need to go. I think we're winning. It's going to be constant work. But, um, yeah, I think that that's probably the success is, um, yeah, still more stories are being heard. I think I heard a lot of activists' jaws hit the floor when – there was that pro the protesting outside the town hall trying to stop the petrochemical conference and the mayor went in yeah. and he was being criticized for speaking to the conference and he went in as the mm -hmm. keynote i think it was and said your business is not welcome here i think that was a surprise to yeah. a lot of people that was um that was great yeah because like i was actually one of the people um we dressed up as um 
Santa's elves and um, met Dave Carl at the airport when he got back from China, I think, just before the conference. And we just did a bit of a, um, you can find that video on the Stop the Minerals from Coalition Facebook page. But um, we just sort of took the piss a little bit and said, oh, Dave, are you going to be good or are you going to be bad? You know, we were um, really wanting to, um, and it certainly turned a few heads and had security over <laughs> the airport. But I think it really um, did make him think a lot about um, what he was going to say because I I know beforehand um, these things all weren't considered. And I guess, you know, this is why it is important to speak up and have these conversations because um, when people know that, um, you know, people are saying that it's going to make them think. And I was pretty, I was really, really pleased with that. Um, I mean, I would have preferred the conference to just not have gone ahead <laughs> and had, had said that just as a statement, um, um, you know, because I felt there's a certain act of le legitimizing it. But I mean, you know, it was a win and um, it was sad that, you know, a lot of friends that day um, suffered some violence from police, um, from random members of the public um, that the police just decided to not you know, because we're the ones doing wrong, so they didn't care if we were being assaulted. So, like, to have to go through all of that um, sucks. But, um, yeah, it's um, it was a win. <laughs> so we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are most definitely in the team. What's the superpower that's oh, got you into you. the mansion? Um, oh, like a superpower we'd want? No, that you have. You can't have, have. Um, yeah, it can't be flying or laser eyes unless you have those things. <laughs> I think um, I think my superpower is just I I feel a lot of things and um, you know I really take that on board um, and it affects me a lot and um, I'm able to um, when I'm in a good space to be able to process that and um, you know connect a lot of different levels, a lot of different planes of reality and how that works. So. I think that's my superpower is just sounds cheesy but my big heart. <laughs> so you've already said that you do consider yourself to be an activist. Why is that? What what yep. what drives that? Um I think large part just my life experience. Um you know um there's a a tweet that goes around a lot. It's called it's just someone goes what radicalized you and it's just people mainly from the US, but they share horrific stories of just absolute and utter bureaucratic cruelty. Um, and I think, you know, we've all lived through those things and we know that it doesn't need to be that way. So, you know, my mother um, raised me like this. She certainly sacrificed a lot um, to provide opportunities for me and my sister. And, you know, I'm, I'm here because of her in all senses. And um, I'm so very thankful for that. And I guess I just, Again, it's it's a community responsibility. Um, I think if we have the capacity and ability um, to do it, then we should. And it echoes, I think, something maybe Angela Davis said. Um, you know, once you're free, your job is to help free someone else. Um, and I think that really um, that really means a lot to me. So um, I think it's just about that. You know, like the the way the world's structured, we are. Um, we live a immense life of privilege here in Aotearoa and that is quite literally on the back and blood, sweat and tears of, of many people. So it's, I guess, um, there's, a, there's a certain karmic energy rebalance that needs to happen. Um, and I see that just as 
part of you know the duty of being a good person and activism is can be anything i think you know activism is caring for people it's um you know any act of rebellion that um challenges the state's power i guess yeah so what motivates you then what what gets you out of bed in the morning <laughs> um oh i just like food <laughs> i like reading <laughs> <laughs> you know just knowing that you're just doing the things i enjoy in life the people i love and um you know it's it's all of those moments stacked up really so it's it can be very overwhelming and i do feel disconnected and um yeah and just it's all too much at times but i guess it's yeah knowing that um there are people that love me and that i have a lot of love to give and i don't know like that's not an easy question <laughs> <laughs> so what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so um challenge um i guess yeah i'm at a i'm at a crossroads in my life about where i want to be and where i want to go and how i need to get there and so that in itself is the challenge just figuring out um where to best to put my energy and um yeah i'm, I'm just not sure <laughs> i'm a bit <laughs> uncertain at the moment but um just yeah how how i get more secure in my life i guess yeah and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners um advice oh gosh i'm usually getting advice i'm usually giving advice probably um just to be kind be kind to yourself be kind to others you know it's that classic um we don't you know we don't know what anyone else is going through um but I mean, also keep your boundaries and um, stand up for them and don't let people cross them um, and be vocal about that. And yeah, just um, remember that, you know, we are, we, we are living through and healing um, centuries, millennia of, um, of harmful systems. And that's not easy and we're not always going to get it right. Um, so just keep doing your best and um, be honest and open about that. And yeah. Thank you very much for that. Now I have two things lined up to go out to. You can choose which one it is. Children of the Revolution from T-Rex. Or Blurter's Dance Around the World. Children of the Revolution sounds great.
Blowing bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is T-Rex Children of the Revolution. We come to you today from West Harbour. I'm Sunny Lennon, so is Bay Dunedin, and I have been joined from Roseneath by Jack Brazil. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.